I think there is so much opportunity in Wichita to really um, go deep mm-hmm. uh, with your passions and your dreams and to make an impact in this community. You know, I would really like to put, um, you know, Wichita um, on the map for being a leader for, you know, community uh, mental health support. Welcome back to another episode of the Witch Live podcast. My name is Landon. Our first sponsor today is Il Primo Espresso Cafe. El Primo has an extensive menu of food and drinks, so if you want to cool down this summer with an iced coffee or keep it hot, they've got you covered. Stop by their location at Woodlawn and Central or downtown on the first floor of the Epic Center. September is Suicide Awareness Month. Today's guest is Dr. Jessica Provines, who is the Assistant Vice President for Wellness and Chief Psychologist at Wichita State. She's also a three-time psychology graduate from Wichita State. We talk all about psychology, mental wellness, the resources available to students or the community, the Suspenders for Hope program, and much more. Enjoy my conversation with Dr. Jessica Provines. All right, I'm here with Dr. Jessica Provines. How are you doing, Jessica? I'm doing great today. I'm glad to have you on. Um, You reached out. Um, I think we have a a really good message to share today. Um, Before we get to that, can you introduce yourself a little bit and kind of what you do? Sure. Uh, Like you said, you know, I'm Jessica Provines and Um, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist uh, in Kansas and a three-time Wichita State University graduate. Uh, And I have the honor of serving as the assistant vice president uh, for wellness and chief psychologist at Wichita State University. Okay. Uh, So three-time, what what are your degrees? Uh, Yeah, so all psychology. (laughs) um, You know, I changed my major a few times uh, as an undergrad, but then I had... um, you know, a mentor tell me to uh, study what you love and the job will figure itself out. And mm-hmm. so I loved my psychology classes yeah. and I just kept taking them sure. and kept taking them and taking them. And, you know, I, I got involved in a applied uh, learning opportunities as an undergraduate student, um, worked on campus, did undergraduate research, and then um, went into the psychology program here. All right. Mm-hmm. Is that something you knew you wanted to get into going into college? Or was that like you took your first psychology class in college and it clicked? Uh, I took my first psychology class yeah. and it clicked. I did not um, I did not know really what sure. I wanted to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, that first class, it really was one. It was an 8 a.m. class. Mm-hmm. and I, tough? Very <laughs> tough. But I was really excited to go to it. And I had a wonderful instructor. And she just made learning fun. And um, it didn't feel like work. It it sure. felt like fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you clearly loved Wichita State. Are you I from did. the Wichita area? I am. I am. Um, you know, I have... Uh, a, a lot of roots in Wichita, um, you know, and a lot of family here and uh, grew up uh, on the west side of town. And, um, you know, I uh, initially my freshman year, I went away to another state school and then I transferred to be closer to home. Mm-hmm. I um, didn't think that I would be here for very long, but I got involved and um and I have been here ever since. Um, in fact, uh, a, a story that I like to, you know, share with students is that, um, you know, my journey at Wichita State, um, it was kind of challenging. And that first year was was really tough. You know, I mm-hmm. had moved away and lost contact with a lot of my social supports. Mm-hmm. I had put 
um, energy in, you know, one relationship. Um, and when that relationship started to have problems, mm-hmm. I found myself um, feeling very isolated and really alone um, mm-hmm. on campus. And that is when I experienced my first clinical depression. Mm. Um, and at the time, I had absolutely no idea that quality, affordable mental health services were available to me as an enrolled WSU student. Sure. Um, I didn't learn about the services, which I now lead. Um, I didn't learn about those until I was a graduate student, and I um, was looking for a practical experience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why didn't I know about this when I was a student? I right. would have, uh, you know, I would have really used this. So um, anyway, I, I made it part of my mission to make sure that every student from the moment they step on campus or, you know, log into a Zoom orientation, mm-hmm. that um, they are well aware of the resources that are available to help them with their mental health and physical yeah. health needs. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, I graduated, let's see, seven years ago now from Wichita mm-hmm. State. And I mean, even when I was in high school or college, I don't know, mental health like wasn't a huge topic of conversation. I know it's been more and more, but it seems like even mm-hmm. just the last, I mean, especially COVID and kids having to stay home from school, uh, college or elementary or high school, I don't know. I feel like it's way more in the forefront now and it's way more important for those resources to mm-hmm. be there because, yeah, I mean, COVID, again, kids were stuck at home and we're, we're not made to stay at home. We need to be interacting with people. And so they were staying home from people they might meet, new people they might meet, or, I mean, their existing support system. Yes. Just any time um, we're going through a lot of transition and changes in our lives, um, you know, it can make us more susceptible to um, challenges with our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and COVID, like, come on, everything yeah. was changed. Oh, yeah. You know, your, your whole world was turned upside down. Right. Um, and I think we all uh, walked away from that experience with a greater appreciation of, mm-hmm. you know, um, just how uh, mental health is real and mm-hmm. it impacts all of us. And um, we all need to, you know, work together to help support each other. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what does your day-to-day look like then as the, um, I believe I have it here, Assistant Vice President for Wellness, is that right? Mm -hmm. What what does your day-to-day look like? Well, I do um, a lot of administration. I supervise a lot of uh, advanced graduate students Mm -hmm. or postgraduate students who are um, trying to get their license uh, or grad or degree mm-hmm. in a uh, mental health uh, profession. And so I do a lot of training. I do mm-hmm. a lot of applied learning. I attend a lot of meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really a, a vocal advocate uh, on campus mm-hmm. for the importance of taking care of our well-being, mm-hmm. um, not only our mental health, but our physical health as well. Um And I do uh, some clinical work, not a lot. You know, I I run a a dialectical behavior therapy uh, support group um, for individuals who um, struggle with chronic suicidality. And um, I've been trained in that approach to help, um, you know, people in crisis with evidence-based treatment approaches to help them, you know, survive a suicidal crisis. So Mm. that's um, a treatment uh, approach that I've been involved in for for many years, and I'm you know try to be really involved in the community as well. I serve on a number of local coalitions um, in the Wichita area and the state, you know, on um, suicide prevention and mm-hmm. mental wellness. And because Wichita State, it's it's so important for us to be involved in our community. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did this program get developed? Either 
take it whatever direction you want, the mental health kind of programs that you're involved in, or um, specifically what we're kind of here to talk about is the Suspenders for Hope. So take it whichever you you want. Yeah, I would love to talk about the Suspenders for Hope program and how that uh, was developed. And in fact, you said you graduated in 2015? Correct. Yep. Okay. So it was 2015 um, when the program started. Uh, So we were lucky enough to apply for and receive a SAMHSA Garrett Lee Smith Campus Suicide Prevention Grant. Um, And the Garrett Lee Smith Act was uh, um, enacted in 2012. Mm -hmm. It was the first time that the federal government allocated money towards wow. um, reducing mental health stigma, promoting mm-hmm. help-seeking behavior. It makes a lot of sense why it's been more prominent than It yeah. does. It does. It's really kind of blown up. And, you know, some people could say that's a crisis or another way of looking at it is it's a really positive outcome right. of an intentional national strategy to make sure that we start looking at this issue as a serious matter of public health, um, you know, which we have. And so Wichita State really benefited um, mm-hmm. from that that first grant. It was a three-year grant. And um, with those funds, um, you know, I got a lot of expert training and, um, you know, we were expected to create an awareness campaign, um, you know, that helped reduce uh, stigma on our college campus and to do trainings to help our community uh, recognize the warning signs for someone who's in crisis mm-hmm. to give them the tools and the confidence on how to intervene and sure. connect them to resources. Um, and so when the funding, um, you know, ran out, we or when the funding was over, we looked at that three-year grant period and we were like, what was the most um, successful piece of that grant? And it was the Suspenders for Hope campaign. Mm. Um, they had really become popular, you know, with our students. We were encouraging them to, you know, get a shirt to engage with us on social media mm-hmm. to help share their stories of hope and, mm-hmm. and um, all of that. We actually worked with our uh, campus strategic communications to develop the campaign. And at the time, we had a orientation program um, with a beloved uh, psychologist who works here for CAPS. Mm -hmm. um, And he took his role at orientation very seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, We do kind of a game show um, where... You know, students are in a fun, lighthearted way. We're trying to help them learn mm-hmm. about the resources that are here on campus. Sure. And so, uh, you know, he took his role as the game show host very seriously, <laughs> wearing his yellow suspenders mm-hmm. and yellow bow tie. And students started affectionately calling him Dr. Suspenders on campus and taking pictures of him <laughs> and his family out mm-hmm. at Buffalo Wild Wings and saying, hey, I saw Dr. Suspenders today. So when we went to strategic communications and our creative team to say, okay, you know, we want a campaign that isn't about one department supporting students' mental health. It's not even about the university supporting students' mental health. Right. We want a campaign that empowers our community to support each other Sure. because that is how we, we do this. And so yeah. we thought, yeah, the suspenders, they support your pants, right? You know, we support you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, as it evolved, um, you know, we changed the name to Suspenders for Hope. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just kind of it started from there. So I think I was looking up a little bit about this earlier today. Is this a Wichita State-specific thing or the suspenders kind of a symbol nationwide? 
So it started at Wichita State okay. University. Yeah. And um, so when we developed the program in 2015, mm-hmm. and then um, in 2018, we decided to uh, create our own training and tie it to the suspenders. Because quite frankly, we brought a lot of other national um, evidence-based trainings mm-hmm. to help uh, train people to identify the warning signs and connect others to resources. And we had a hard time getting our campus to sign up to take the training, to engage in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought, well, hey, the Suspenders for Hope have really caught on. Maybe if we incentivize people uh, you know, to take the training and give them a shirt for doing yeah. so, um, and then we can help turn them into our community advocates who help spread right. this message for us, maybe that would catch on, and it did. Yeah. Um, that first year when we launched our own training tied to the suspenders campaign, we had a 426% increase in the number of students that we trained wow. in that first year. Yeah. And since then, we've trained thousands That's of incredible. individuals. So. Um, your question was, um, you know, is it Wichita State or in the community? So, um, in um, we worked with uh, the marketing department mm-hmm. on campus, and um, we thought the suspenders were cool. We thought that they were helping to reduce stigma mm-hmm. and um, were kind of a symbol of you know pride as mm-hmm. opposed to shame. Sure, and we wanted to know if if that was true. And so we worked with the marketing department to do a study of the campaign. Mm-hmm. And um, that study was was really robust and it had some strong results. And it showed us that students who were familiar with the campaign um, and knew what it stood for, because mm-hmm. some people might see the suspenders, sure. but they might not really connect right, it right. to mental health. You know, but if they if they were familiar with the campaign and knew what it stood for, that they were much more likely to believe that the university cared about their mm-hmm. well-being than mm-hmm. students who were not. Absolutely, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And it, I think it's such a great idea to empower the community or empower the students and train more people because you guys, I mean, you're the top of the funnel. There's only so much you can do, even if you spent every waking minute kind of spreading the word, there's only so much you or your staff can do individually. But when you empower everybody, it's like a 24-7, I mean, marketing cycle, essentially, or a support cycle is probably a better word. Yeah. But that's awesome. Yeah, it just it's helping us spread the message of hope. And a lot of people care about this issue and they want to get right. involved, but they just might not necessarily know how to or how to join with something that has, um, sure. you know, some traction and, mm-hmm. and is making an impact. So um, we really love our champions and our advocates who are helping us, you know, to spread this message of hope, um, not only on campus, but in the community. So after that marketing study, that really mm-hmm. emboldened us to say, you know, I think we're doing something cool here mm-hmm. that others might notice. And so we want to take it off of campus and um, bring it into the community. And we worked with our um, Center for Technology Transfer and helped work with them to figure out, you know, how can we sustain this program past the grant money? You know, Mm -hmm. how can we develop it and share it with others and, you know, to where we can spread the message, but we can also sustain it. And that's in 2020 is when we took it off campus and into our community and we've just... Uh, continue to add uh, more partners and yeah. do more community events. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I first heard about it was from Rob Gerlach with the innovation or uh, 
whatever the group's called now, Innovation Entrepreneurship. Yeah, so he's the first one that brought this up to me a couple years ago. Oh, so, wonderful. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know you had talked yeah. with Rob. Rob yeah, so has... just very briefly, I remember he brought it up a couple years ago. So that's awesome. Yeah, Rob has been very important, um, you know, in the expansion of this program and just, just what it's doing. Um, you know, he's really helped us uh, see that, you know, we were thinking we needed to create an app and all these online sure. trainings. And he was like, you know, the message that you have, the campaign that you right. have is is powerful yeah. and, and something that others might be interested in. And so he really helped us uh, change our thinking and pivot many times oh, for sure. and has been uh, a super champion and yeah. helping bring this to the community. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's an example of how innovation doesn't just apply to whatever yeah, apps or inventions or whatever else. It applies to a core message or training or whatever that is. And again, it's an important message, so it's important that it gets out. But yeah, you, you, what's the MVP of that? What's the minimum viable product and how can you get that to the most people with not necessarily the the least amount of effort, but the least amount of effort so you can reach more people. So that's awesome. Yes, cool. he told us, he was like, the suspenders for hope is your MVP. Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so what is your personal connection to this cause? You mentioned depression in college. Um, what's your personal connection? Yes, um, you know, uh, that first year when um, – when uh, we got the grant, uh, we, we got the funding, and it was actually that same month where um, your worst nightmare as a mental health care professional, you know, someone who wants to help people, uh, when that happened, um, you know, my, my worst nightmare came true for me that month, and I lost a student who had come to me uh, for help to suicide. Um, and even though... Um, you know, I know that there's not one thing that causes someone to die by suicide and that it's no one's fault, not mm -hmm. even the person who dies by suicide. You know, as a um, suicide loss survivor and particularly as the, you know, a person who, you know, was, um, you know, felt responsible for helping someone navigate through that crisis, mm -hmm. um, it's hard not to feel like it's your fault sometimes. Sure. You know, um, and so, you know, that, that grief and that kind of uh, traumatic loss um, sticks with a person for the rest of their lives. Um, you know, un unfortunately, um, you know, people in crisis and when they're in a suicidal state, oftentimes, you know, while it's distorted and it's, it's not true, um, they believe that others might be better off without them. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. Um, you know, people are, are um, devastated mm -hmm. when they lose people that they love to suicide, and it's a very complicated grief, um, one that's filled with a lot of shame, um, mm -hmm. a lot of guilt, uh, you know. And so I took that grief, and I really put it into this, you know, opportunity that I had been given. I was working on this grant as the program evaluator. I thought it was going to be a cool experience, you know, an opportunity to do some good, but mm -hmm. it, it – um, you know, I had lost some people in my network, but not, no one who was that close to me until that until that month. And then I think I really channeled that grief, um, you know, into the program. And, you know, while it won't, um, you know, bring our loved ones back, you know, if we can, if we can, as lost survivors, if we could try and create meaning out of that and try and help others, then I think in some ways it's it's how we you know, it's how we cope. Um, since then, I've lost, you know, too many people that I care and that I love uh, to suicide. And, um, 
you know, it took me after 2015, I think I realized, um, you know, seven years later when we had um, taken this training to a um, to a large organization and trained all of their managers and general mm-hmm. managers. It was kind of the realization of a dream come true for yeah. me. And it was at that moment when I think I finally forgave myself. Mm-hmm. And I realized that for these past seven years, I'd been trying to atone you sure. know, yeah. For, yeah. for how I couldn't help that student. And right. then I realized um, – that the healing power of forgiveness is so important for mm-hmm. a lost survivor, not only to forgive those that we lose to suicide. I had forgiven them a long time ago, mm-hmm. but how do you how do you forgive yourself for right. whatever it is you said or didn't say mm-hmm. or did or didn't do? You know, um, while yes, we can say it's not your fault. You know, for the lost survivor, you might always remember that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's. Hindsight is cruel. Sure. You know, um, and so if you can forgive yourself for being human, um, you know, and and missing a warning sign Mm -hmm. or not um, getting somebody to emergency resources, um, if you can learn to forgive yourself, um, I think that's when you start to heal. And so I want to just share that message with other lost survivors. Um, I want to welcome them on this journey with me mm-hmm. um, and helping them heal and helping them reach others, you know, with with hope. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry about your student. Um, I can not empathize to that level, but uh, it was 2015, December, because I had just been out of college a little bit. Um, oh. But one of my best friends since... I don't know, probably fourth grade. Um, we kept in touch. And when he came back in town from college, we'd see each other a lot and stuff. But then, uh, yeah, I, getting that phone call from my mom was one of the hardest days of my life. I still think about it pretty much every day. Um, but I think the forgiveness portion of it, I don't know. the sign, I don't know if there were signs that people missed. Obviously, there probably were. Um, but I think a big part of not blaming myself is I had, I don't know, a gut feeling or something that, I, hey, just reach out to him and just see how he's doing. Didn't get a response back, but I think the fact that I reached out helped me later on. Be like, I think it was a God thing just to try to touch base and see. Again, there mm-hmm. wasn't the reciprocal, but obviously he was going through things. And so I think that helped me not blame myself. And it was more of just the grief portion of that. But I could definitely see how, even if it was a simple thing, like not sending that text, how I could potentially blame myself. And so I think I had just luckily was at a point where I was mental in a good place mentally. So I didn't blame myself on that, but I could definitely see how that could go the other way very quickly. Absolutely. But. And I think you bring up such an important point. Um, you know, and, and that I want to make sure that those of us who've lived through this, and there's a lot of us, um, you know, experts uh, estimate that 60% of us will lose a loved one in our lifetime to suicide. And some believe it's probably higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, um, but you bring up an important point and um, accepting and receiving help is also just as important as reaching out, mm-hmm. you know. And um, you know, it's it's not our jobs to save anyone right. or or to completely stop suicide. Even though I wish that we could, sure. um, you know. But accepting help, asking for help, is also just as important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so the next point I wanted to touch on is why. 
why is hope? Why, why should we focus on the hope in this? Because it is such a dark topic. Um, I think, again, I've had an experience very closely personally, really just the once. But I mean, I feel like it's every couple years, or every year, there's like tangentially, like I know a fam- of a family who knows of a family or vice versa or in the community or in the high school community we grew up in, like you hear about these terrible stories, but why should the hope be the focus in such a dark topic? Um, yeah, thank you for asking this question. Um, you know, since that uh, 2012 um, Garrett Lee Smith grant, there's been a lot of awareness on the problem of suicide. Um, you know, I think most people would be able to tell you that it's a leading cause of death, mm-hmm. um, that uh, the rates of suicide are rising, and that... Um, actually, you know, can contribute to the problem. Mm -hmm. Because if if you're in crisis, and you see someone else, or you're hearing stories of others who, you know, um, you know, escaped that personal crisis or that pain by suicide, then sometimes it almost gives permission and like, that's the answer. Um, And so there's a known Cajun, um, there's a known contagion effect when it comes to suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, If you know someone in your network, in your circles, um, it it just increases your risk. Um, And particularly if you've had someone in your family, Mm -hmm. it increases your risk as well. And so um, what we want to do is flip the script Mm -hmm. and talk about, um, you know, this statistic surprised me a lot when I started learning more about this, but there are a lot of people every year in this country who um, live with serious suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. Um, over ten and a half million Americans wow. uh, report. I didn't know so high. Yeah, very high number. Um, but that's kind of surprising, um, you know. And the majority of those, the overwhelming majority of those individuals find a way to get through that crisis. They, um, they live through it. They, they join a gym, they change mm-hmm. jobs, sure. you know, they, they um, increase their social supports or they leave a, um, a relationship. They start talking, um, you know, to, to their friends or they reach out for help or they, they see a professional and they, right. they take medication. They do something to get through that crisis. Um, and less than half a percent wow. of those ten and a half million people yeah. die by suicide. Sure. You know, in our country, over uh, forty-five thousand individuals every year um, die by suicide, and one life lost to suicide is one too many. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we were telling the stories of those who survived right. more, right. and if people realized that surviving a suicidal crisis is actually a triumph that they should celebrate mm-hmm. and celebrate it publicly and loudly and openly, um, then that could spread hope. Because when we start talking about it, um, it's how we heal. Mm-hmm. It's how we let others know that they're not alone. For sure. And it's, it's how we encourage people to get help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think if you told enough stories and people heard enough stories, Everybody's obviously has a unique, everyone obviously has a unique story, but there's little nuggets that they could relate to and be like, oh, wow, they, I have it worse than them, but like, well, maybe it could get better. Or that person has it way worse than me in whatever aspect of life, job, relationships, whatever that is, they might be able to latch on to a little bit of that hope and then pull them out. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those inspirational stories Mm -hmm. that, you know, help people know that you can overcome this, Mm -hmm. um, and that uh, there is help available. And, 
um, it, mm-hmm. it can be real inspiring and we want that message to catch on. For um, sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned something that just tr- clicked something in the, in the brain, but, um, you mentioned kind of the, I don't know what you called it, but when, if there's someone in your network, you're more likely to, um, a few years back, there was that show on Netflix. I don't know if I'm sure you were aware of uh, 13 Reasons Why. Yes. Did I don't know. Have you have you read any studies on that? Did that cause more people to? Because I think I had read that somewhere, but I didn't look into it a ton. Absolutely. But. Um, you know, I that um, that series uh, for suicide prevention experts was a nightmare. Mm. Um, you know, while it did, uh, you know, raise awareness, it also oversimplified, yeah. um, you know, the causes of suicide. It contributed to survivor guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the franchise did a really good job after that first season mm-hmm. of partnering with suicide prevention experts to good. make sure yeah. that the follow-ups sure. were more nuanced and that mm-hmm. they were um, – you know, having more um, more hopeful messages, yeah. more realistic messages, really. Um, but yeah, there was some data that after that uh, that series came out, that suicide rates increased mm. in certain populations. Yeah, um, I could definitely say that because it definitely. I don't know. I thought it was, I mean, decently well done. Um, it was entertaining at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully like the, I think they had a little thing before or after the episodes, like if you're struggling, here are some resources. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it definitely seemed like it glamorized it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it, it did. And I think it, it motivated the uh, prevention community to partner more mm-hmm. with um, media, you know, whether that be news outlets sure. or entertainment industry to um, really make sure that the message of hope and mm-hmm. uh, resiliency and recovery is is getting out there. Mm-hmm. And I think you've probably seen a lot more people who are sharing their stories yeah. now. And, yeah, for sure. Um, so um, while it while it did have a, a negative impact initially, mm-hmm. I think over the long term, it's helped create a change Good. in the way we, we tell stories. And um, I'm actually really excited that we're going to be partnering with the local Wichita Journalism Collaborative oh, good. Um, on September 13th uh, to to do a training here um, in the area. And we're really going to talk about how can we lead on this message right. and, you know, make sure that, that we're focusing on hope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how can people get involved? What other events you have coming up? Yeah, well, September is Suicide Awareness Month. And so we are um, very actively getting the, this message of hope out there, trying to bring um, the the symbol of Suspenders for Hope into our community as a recognizable symbol for community support for mental health and suicide prevention. And we're doing um, a few events in September um, we are partnering with the YMCA and uh, Ascension via Christie to do our second annual Suspenders for Hope 5K and Memorial One Mile Walk. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to be hosting that on campus. We'll be meeting right at the uh, YMCA on campus to get started that morning. Uh, for that run on October 1st. Uh, So we're going to be promoting it the whole month Mm -hmm. of September, and then uh, the first day of October is uh, when we're going to be holding that event. And then we're partnering with the Wichita Journalism Collaborative, um, who have been trying to focus more on solution-based journalism versus just the Mm -hmm. problem-based journalism, which kind of ties to that topic that we were just talking about. 
And um, we are partnering with them and the Sedgwick County uh, Public Health Department on September 13th at the Advanced Learning Library in downtown uh, to do a Suspenders for Hope uh, hour and a half training. And we're really targeting members of our uh, local media and local leaders, you know, the influencers of public opinion, how, how can we bring them together to help unify our message mm-hmm. um, around this important, you know, problem in our community and make sure that we're focusing on hope and, and we're all working together yeah. towards the goal. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. There's a lot of ways uh, for people to get involved and um, before we kind of um, wrap up this topic, what resources can you recommend to people either? I mean, there's these ones for people that want to get involved. Um, for people that are struggling, what do you recommend or where can you point them towards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one thing that's been really exciting is the uh, new uh, 988 mm-hmm. uh, crisis number, uh, you know, that's replaced the uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's just a very um, easy to remember number, 988, if you're in a mental health crisis that can connect you to uh, local crisis resources 24 hours a day. You can talk to a crisis mental health counselor, and that just um, doesn't have to be used in a suicidal crisis. It can be any kind of personal or mental health crisis where you just need someone to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of the night. And if you could just talk to someone, you know, that could right. really help. Um, so the 988 number and then the 988 chat and text okay. is, is really um, popular and helpful. Um, you know, Knowing your local emergency rooms um, are important. Uh, you know, we have uh, ComCare crisis services in Sedgwick County, which actually answers the majority of the 988 calls okay. from our area. Um, so it's really important to be aware of your crisis resources so you can either get help yourself or help someone else. Um, and I'd also uh, be happy to talk about, um, you know, the resources that we created, um, you know, in the program mm-hmm. for uh, companies to bring to help them with their workplace wellness yeah. or organizations to, to bring to help with their community outreach. So. Absolutely. I point everybody towards you then. That would be awesome for, the, for those last few things you mentioned. Um, I just have a couple kind of Wichita-based questions personally for you, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll share a couple resources one more time at the end to make sure everyone um, knows where to go. Um, but what is your favorite part of Wichita, or what's a hidden gem in Wichita? Oh, my goodness. I I love so much about Wichita. Um, you know, I'm a, a Riverside uh, resident, mm-hmm. and so I absolutely love, um, you know, our river and the river walks and the, the keeper of – the plains mm-hmm. and all of the museums down yeah. there. You know, one of my favorite things to do, um, you know, is to, you know, hop on our bicycles with our family and, and go ride bikes. I, I love the festivals mm-hmm. and you know free concerts and being yeah. able to take the bike paths and you know go into fr- do to and from those. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, I love all that as well. Um, is there anything you wish Wichita had that it doesn't, or what would you improve about Wichita? Hmm, what would I improve about? Well, um, you know. <sighs> Unfortunately, uh, Wichita and Sedgwick County is not alone in this problem. Um, A large majority of our counties across the country Mm -hmm. um, have a shortage of mental health care professionals. Um, And so increasing access for mental health resources um, across not only here locally, but, uh, you know, across our our country and our state is is really important. 
and something that's really important to me. Um, not only have I helped develop, uh, you know, the the Suspenders for Hope program, but I have. Um, been really involved in training the next generation of mental health care providers in my in my career here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Wichita State really is the pipeline for our local talent. Yeah. And um, that is true for our mental health care professionals in our region. And so, um, you know, what we do at Wichita State to to train mental health care professionals and growing those programs, admitting more students into those mm-hmm. programs, you know, recruiting people who want to help people yeah. uh, with mental health to, you know, become a mental health care professional. Um, you know, we need we need you in mm-hmm. our community and we need we need to help. And, uh, you know, Wichita State has a number of programs, you know, <clears throat> in our mental health counseling program our psychology department, our social work department, um, you know, that that can help contribute to this void. Yeah, absolutely. And I could see, I mean, you're planting all these seeds and they will come to fruition. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that. Um, but I could see Wichita maybe with kind of that pipeline you mentioned, um, like Minneapolis is like one of the fittest cities in the U.S. It's like maybe Wichita becomes one of the most mentally fit places in the U.S. because we do have hopefully in the future an abundance of resources and um, everyone can get what they need. But. I would love that. You know, I would really like to put, um, you know, Wichita um, on the map for being a leader for, you know, community uh, mental health support. And that that includes, you know, um, campaigns like the Suspenders for Hope, workplace wellness programs, um, as well as, you know, training uh, professionals to help people in crisis. Absolutely. Uh, just a couple more questions. What does Wichita mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Well, I first... you. You initially <laughs> asked that question, and I thought, well, it means home. But uh, to me, I think it also means opportunity. I think there is so much opportunity in Wichita to really um, go deep mm-hmm. uh, with your passions and your dreams and to make an impact in this community. Um, you know, it has been really humbling to see how many people, you know, want to help on this issue and want to partner and Mm -hmm. it's grown and reached more people than I ever could have even imagined. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is because of Wichita, you know, we have, we work hard, Mm -hmm. you know, we hustle in in Wichita and we try and get stuff done and we try and help our community. And um, there's a lot to be proud of in Wichita. Absolutely. I think it's a, the perfect size. It's small enough. You can make a big impact, but it's big enough that it can still make a large impact in a, in an area. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on. I know um, a lot of people might hear that we're talking about suicide or uh, depression, mental health, and it might not seem like a fun topic, but I think the fact that you and we can help bring the, the focus and the light on the hope portion of it all um, is really important. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you. Um, I, I really would like to encourage anyone who's listening, uh, you know, to visit our suspendersforhope.com website. There you can take our free hour and a half um, preventing suicide training. You can get your own Suspenders for Hope t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can help, uh, you know, donate to our cause and help us reach more people uh, with this message. And so 
so um, you know I really appreciate you Landon coming here and giving me this opportunity to, to share the story of you know this program that we developed at Wichita State and, and reaching more people absolutely mm-hmm. good luck with everything and I'm sure we'll talk soon absolutely thank Thanks. you Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. Check us out on social media at Wichita Life ICT or our website, wichitalifeict.com. Huge thanks to Jake B for editing and producing our podcast. Have a good one and we'll see you next time.